0: Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. I wouldn't exactly call myself a neat freak. But I do appreciate having things generally in order, whether it's getting the bills paid on time or making sure the grass gets cut or keeping the laundry going or having the exact same breakfast routine every single morning. (laughs) I like things that are reasonable and orderly and predictable. I like it when things make sense, like a well thought out essay, or when the plot of a mystery gets revealed, or when a crossword puzzle finally comes together. You see, I was raised and ordained in the Presbyterian church, and it's a denomination that prides itself on having logical, systematic theology. We have a value, dare I say, an essential tenet. Of doing everything decently and in order. And because that's a significant part of who I am, because that's the faith tradition from whence I come, I have a couple of questions for Jesus regarding the gospel text. You see, since I was a child, I grew up hearing this New Testament text, these parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin. I've got these images in my head from the illustrated children's storybook Bible that was read to me while I was a child. I have this picture of a joyful shepherd with this cute little sheep on his shoulders, and he's got this big smile on his face, and and he's dancing around in the field because he's found his lost sheep. I also remember the storybook picture of this sweet little old lady who is jubilant and excited because she's got this crowd all around her, her neighbors and her friends at her house, and she's showing each of them this coin that she had lost. And she's found again. Now I'm older, and I've gone from an illustrated storybook Bible to an NRSV, Oxford annotated Bible, with accompanying lexicon and commentaries and such. So I can't help but see these parables a little differently now. Now, I'm no shepherd. I can't say I've spent a lot of time around sheep. But one thing that I do know is that in the time of the New Testament, sheep were not just cute pets, they were assets these animals were used for lots of things for wool for trading to get things the family needed these sheep were some of the animals that were sacrificed at the altar in the temple for atonement of their sins flocks of sheep were given from one family to another as a dowry for a marriage these sheep were an important part of a rural household's net worth and their status and Jesus says, which one of you, having 100 sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it and then lays it on his shoulders and goes home and celebrates, etc., etc.? Well, to answer Jesus' question, I think most shepherds would think it was downright crazy to leave the 99 in the wilderness and go spend all day, potentially all night, looking for the one sheep who ran off. Y'all imagine this shepherd, he's coming back over the hill with the smile and the sheep, and he finds out the rest of the flock is scattered, or they've been stolen, or they got eaten by predators it's not a smart move clearly Jesus should protect the 99 right and when the shepherd comes home the shepherds father will say how did it go in the fields today son and the son will say well I lost that one sheep that keeps running away and the dad will say Uh, one percent loss isn't so bad we've got some more lambs coming this spring don't worry about it son have some dinner isn't that better than the son coming home to the family with one sheep on his shoulders and telling his family the entire flock is decimated then there's this parable with the lost coin And Jesus says, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, wouldn't light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully till she finds it, and then calls together her friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me for I found the coin that I lost. Now, y'all, I've heard of a lot of interesting themes for parties. I've never heard of a found my lost coin party. (laughs) Jesus doesn't specify if this is a poor woman or a rich one. He doesn't say explicitly if these 10 coins are the only ones she has or not. Regardless, I still wouldn't throw a party over a coin, even if it was 10% of my whole portfolio. Now I might be relieved to find the coin. I might be a little embarrassed that I lost the coin in the first place, but I wouldn't throw a party. Besides, when you invite all of your friends and neighbors over to celebrate, they usually expect a little hospitality, right? Some food and some drinks and decorations. The party could end up costing more than the coin she lost in the first place. What is Jesus talking about? And why is he asking such strange, seemingly rhetorical, yet counterintuitive questions? Let's back up and let's consider the context in which the parables are being told. Now, he's been fraternizing and, and, and visiting and eating with sinners and tax collectors and seen doing so. Now, someone being considered a sinner, that's a pretty vague term. That can mean a lot of things. We don't know who the sinners are but tax collectors, we know something about them. We know that they are folks from the community who have chosen to work directly and openly with Roman occupiers to take money from their own community on Rome's behalf. We know that tax collectors had a reputation for charging a little extra, and this unregulated extra was their cut. So tax collectors were basically traitors, cheaters, and extortionists all rolled up into one. And it would make a lot of sense to hate them. It would make sense to question anyone who befriended them. Then we need to consider the people... To whom Jesus is actually talking in the moment. He's telling the parables here to the scribes and Pharisees. Now these are folks who were the leading kind of ruling party of the community. While still being under Roman occupation. Pharisees. Y'all they were about following the rules. They were about keeping things calm in the community. They would be the ones making deals in the back room with Rome. And the deal was that they get to stay relatively wealthy and privileged, but they have a responsibility of keeping their own people controlled and in line, you know, decent and in order. The Pharisees would not leave the 99 to rescue the one they'd be much too prudent for that. They wouldn't go out of their way to find one coin, especially if they knew more coin was on the way. I imagine the scribes and Pharisees were confused by what Jesus was saying. I want us to pause and think about a text those Pharisees would know well. A text from early in Exodus, where God successfully delivered the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt. God shows all this incredible power in front of Pharaoh, sends down all these plagues, bugs and frogs and all kinds of unpleasant things. God parts the Red Sea, leads Israel across, crushes the army. And then God is giving to Moses these 10 commandments, rules for the road as they go towards the promised land that god has in store for them y'all may remember the story before moses can even get back down the mountain they've already made an idol for themselves and they've started bowing down to it this is what brought us out of egypt so god gets really really mad finally something that makes sense i would be mad wouldn't you With such a lack of gratitude, so little loyalty by the Israelites, I'd be inclined to take away everything. I'd be inclined to inflict punishment on them. It's completely justified. And yet, in Scripture, we see this place where the divine has a change of heart. And Moses says, please, don't do this. After all, you didn't bring them all the way out here in the desert just to let Egypt win, right? Yahweh counts to 10, (laughs) takes a deep breath, sends Moses back down the mountain. Even though it's justified, even logical, that God would want to punish them for their actions, God acts with mercy and compassion, promises to stay in it with them, GOD'S FAITHFUL TO THEM EVEN WHEN THEY ARE NOT FAITHFUL TO GOD. FRIENDS THROUGHOUT THE BIBLE, WE SEE YAHWEH, WE SEE JESUS IN THIS PATTERN OF DOING THE ILLOGICAL, COUNTERINTUITIVE, RISKY, AND IMPRUDENT THING. I'M TALKING ABOUT THINGS LIKE GOD CHOOSING DAVID, THE VERY YOUNGEST OF ALL OF JESSE'S SONS, TO BE THE NEXT KING OF ISRAEL. I'm talking about Jesus choosing a bunch of uneducated, non credential local yokels from Galilee to be his disciples and lead the church. This gospel text is just one more set of examples to add to the list. Who would be willing to risk it all just to save one sheep who's lost? Jesus would. Who would throw a huge party over something so small as recovering one-tenth of something that was missing? Jesus would. Now, you all are in an interim period, this time of discernment, and at moments you may feel like you're in a little bit of a wilderness going towards a promised land of a new dean. So I want to close with a couple of things that I think these texts might have to say to you all right about now. Number one, to follow in the way of Jesus means that you are willing to take some risks together. Sometimes the risks may be some big ones, like betting the whole farm kind of risks. Throughout this process, you may find yourselves considering doing the counterintuitive thing, the illogical, imprudent thing. And if you're like me, That's really scary, but don't let your fears get the best of you and don't be satisfied to play it safe as a church, not now, not ever. As your mission statement says, all souls is a place where risks are taken. And the second thing, know you're going to make some mistakes along the way. It's pretty much a guarantee israelites made big mistakes disciples made big mistakes what makes you or i think we would be any different from that but even when we do scripture tells us that we can trust in the faithfulness of god even when our own faithfulness is in question God didn't deliver Israelites from bondage just to abandon them in the wilderness, and God did not lead the cathedral of all souls for 123 years just to leave you to fend for yourselves now. One last thing, and and, and I think this is something that's instructive to us, not just in an interim time, but any time. See, it would be really easy for us to read these parables and assume ourselves to be in the role of the shepherd, in the role of the woman. It would be easy for us to take it upon ourselves to seek out and rescue the lost. And who are the lost? Those who have less stuff than us. Those who are different from us. Those the culture around us would tell us is lower in the status than us. But friends, if we do that, well, now we're just going down the road of the Pharisees and we miss the whole point. Instead, if we are willing to follow the lead of Jesus, to risk our own comforts, our own privileges, our own advantages, even our own assets for the sake and values of the gospel. Friends, that's when we get found And as it is written, all of heaven rejoices when one of God's lost is found again. Amen.